They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menzoir. I'm a sucker for you. You say the word that I go anywhere blindly. Yeah. I'm a sucker for you. Well done. Any road you take, you know that you'll find me. Yes. I'm a sucker for all the subliminal things no one knows about you, about you, about you. And you're making... <laughs> My hands hurt. <laughs> That was horrible. I was the hand clap bitch on that song. That's all I did the whole time. That's fine. Some of us, we it's have the to Jonas Brothers are thing. We have to know our roles. That's all. Welcome, everybody. It's TTR, as we like to say. And uh, this is show, I don't know, 9036, or it could be show 58, or it could be show 72. We don't really know. I know. Do you? Yeah. Well, I don't really... If you're an avid listener, you probably know you're lying. And if you're not, you're impressed. One of the two. Listen, we squeeze in some incredible stuff into about 30 minutes. And typically... Hashtag truth. Yes. Typically, it's it's actually good advice. It is. Yeah. And you know, uh, if you're a fan of either of ours, you probably know that we wind up doing something called Certified Rockstar from time to time. What? Yeah. There's actually uh, an instructor-led session of kind of what we're doing here. We call it Certified Rockstar. We have different versions. There's a half-day version. Yep. There's a full-day version. And yep. there's a multi-day mastermind. That is correct. And we pretty much will do anything that you want. We, we probably have about five, six topics each. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in hiring us to come out and do something for your organization, man, we would be honored yeah. to do that. Why would you want to bore your people to death? Why would you want them to sit through another Bueller, Bueller? Nobody wants that. No, they need no. some edutainment. Yes, like they bring say. us in. We show up. We got the swag. We got the... They, listen, it's amazing. They walk out with certificates. They walk out being certified rock stars. They've had this amazing, amazing experience. Yep. And I don't know that you can ask for more than that. No, and if you were looking to see kind of the type of stuff and the swag that you'd actually get, you should go to certifiedrockstar.com and check that stuff out. Absolutely. We'd be honored, honestly. You know, when we do things like, of course, this, this podcast, but also even things like Certified Rockstar, we always donate a portion of our proceeds to Cannonball Kids Cancer. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, listen, this is uh, where our heart lies with this organization. They're a tiny little uh, organization based in Central Florida that literally has an international impact because they go out and they find or fund options for kids who've run out of options. Um, they're in an incredible organization that you need to find out more about how you can participate, how you can become uh, a supporter of theirs. Please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Oh man, I bet you're busy. I bet you're so busy, right? Jim, I am busier than a one-legged man in a... I'm not really talking. I was talking metaphorically to the audience. Oh. I bet you're busy too. I'm glad you interrupted me because I didn't have <laughs> you didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have a, that. anything of anything that, that would be appropriate, right? Oh, an ass kicking contest. <laughs> yes, I forgot it. Now I remembered. Yes. However, yes, 
friend, yes. fan. Yes. I'm sure you're also busy. Life's coming at you at about 110 miles an hour. We totally get it. It's just super hard to step away every once in mm-hmm. a while and just focus on yourself. Get a little bit of what we call personal development, you know, a little bit of a nugget of wisdom. Some leadership pampering. We totally get that. Yes. But honestly, you got to do it mm-hmm. and listen to the show's part of it. And it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now. You're probably doing something other than just listening to us. Right sure. now, you could be... I don't know, crushing grapes for a city winery. That's gross. Maybe you're laying sod. Uh, I don't know. No ways for that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you're making a political poster. I hate that, man. (laughs) It doesn't really matter what you're doing. Listen, we just want to be the 30 minutes that you've been looking forward to all week. Rock it. Let's do it. Hey guys, just so you know, this interview with Michael Dorf was recorded before the COVID-19 crisis. We just didn't want you guys to think we were tone deaf, but uh, Michael has some awesome stuff to share. Our guest today is Michael Dorf, who is the founder and CEO of City Winery, which is Manhattan's first fully functional winery, restaurant, music venue, and private event space. First off, Michael, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. It's an honor to be with you again. Yes, yes. yes. We say again, uh, Brant. I don't know if you knew this, but I met Michael a year ago. I was uh, speaking at one of his internal company conferences, and uh, we have a couple former hard rockers that uh, are part of his team. And so it was like a, it, it was a great event for me to go into New Orleans, but it was like a coming home party for me. So yes, great to great to spend you some were time. Great. With you. you you revved up the team, and you know. Uh, that's why you get paid the big dollars for speaking. Because, <laughs> I get paid uh, something. You, you, you did a great job. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Michael, <laughs> we, listen, you're blowing his head up already over yes. here. This is, this is going to be an issue. That's fine. <laughs> uh, that's all right. That's This is the way it's supposed to work. It I, is. I, you know, yeah, if there's one trick to teach your listeners is to – always tell the interviewer how great they are yes um, it just helps with the interview so exactly and we're going to give you an hour to keep doing yeah. that and that's yeah. okay. <laughs> and we can stop after that so listen we will uh we're definitely going to have michael's full bio posted in the show notes but i i did definitely want to just point out a couple cool highlights first off Michael founded New York City's go-to venue for independent music you might know it it's called the knitting factory mm-hmm. he did that in 1986 he was uh, recognized as a pioneer in producing music on the internet through relationships with Apple and Intel and MCI and Bell Atlantic. He became one of the most prolific independent promoters in New York. In fact, I think it was the New Yorker that said that he had perfected the art of the tribute concert. And I know Michael's done a lot of philanthropic work with his music fundraiser series. And now he's been expanding this uh, city winery brand and, I think it has, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, you got seven locations and uh, about to open up a couple more here in the U.S., right? That is correct. Awesome. And and uh, that brand is is fantastic. I've been to the one, uh, obviously, in Chicago and uh, tried to get into the one in New York, but the line was just so <laughs> so long at the time. So kudos to uh, to all of your success, brother. It's great. Thank you. You got it. So listen, I, I think you probably know we do some things a little bit different here. We're not going to do the... Uh, the long traditional interview format, um, you know, for those that are interested, they'll grab that in the show notes. But for the most part, we want to leave the uh, the door open for you to, to share this great piece of advice. So we're going to leave it up to you, man. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. Well, I, I would say I've been saying this a little bit for 
for some time, but I, I, I like the phrase, you should think and form your ideas in Excel first and then uh, expand upon it later in Word or PowerPoint. And you know what I mean by that is any idea, any, um, any uh, sort of business decision, you can go through it in a spreadsheet and make sure that it pencils out. Uh, you know, it sounds really simple, but a lot of times, you know, you get into these, these ideas and it can be just, it doesn't have to be a full business plan. It can just be a product. It can be a concert. It can be what, what have you. And you get so excited by things and you just start, you know, creating the most beautiful PowerPoint and you, you convince yourself that it's the greatest idea ever, but you forgot to, you know, make sure that it's, you know, profitable or hmm. over a long time makes some sense. Um, and so I, I just, I, I always think through everything in an Excel spreadsheet first, go through permutations, um, and then sometimes throw away the idea and not waste my time in PowerPoint um, uh, when when it doesn't pencil out. So I'm a, I'm a believer in the in that practical. And it might not seem like a given, you know, the kind of creative business yeah. we're in of mashing up, you know, bringing grapes to New York city and, <laughs> and, 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 and making wine in the middle of, you know, a big urban environment and then selling it at a concert that we're producing ourselves in one, one space in the middle of an expensive real estate market. But, but, you know, that only made sense after doing it in Excel uh, yeah. and, and, and seeing, seeing that there was real margin there was real opportunity and, and there was ability for scale. Um, by by doing it in Excel. Yeah, you know, I, well, you just described Jim and I's relationship uh, because he is Mr. Excel and I am uh, not. I, th I think in Lotus <laughs> Notes, Brant, to see now. You know, it's, it's interesting, right? Because especially when you work with creatives, um, it's about the idea and not about the execution of the idea. And I think at times it can, it, it, it must have been challenging knowing you've got to have so many sort of right brain people that work for you <laughs> that um, appreciate the creative nature of your business. But at the same time, without somebody sort of laying out an actual plan, keeping their eye on the profit margins and how this is actually going to work so that it's sustainable and not just a great idea that has failed. Like we've seen so many of um, when it comes to trying to combine entertainment or art with business, um, it gets really sticky, but you've obviously figured out the magic formula. Um, how, how has it been when you have to sort of manage the creatives on one side but keep the focus on the execution on the other. Well, I, I mean, it's it's uh, exercise of schizophrenia, and <laughs> and and isn't isn't that what management is yeah. all about? Yes. Um, you know, my I got a, a degree in psychology, which has probably been more valuable to me than my other major, which was business. Um, mm. You know, I, I think managing people and understanding how to communicate what seems like wacky ideas in, in more practical terms um, and being able to jump from left brain to right brain is, um, you know, is, is a rare skill set. It's, it, it is for me something I feel very proud that that is, you know, my makeup and DNA. Um, I spent a lot of time, you know, uh, designing 
know, and 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 being probably the the lead creative in our company. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, I, I have to table that. And when I'm lead, you know, trying to convince people of the ideas to to get behind, that's when I have to you know put on the practical hat. I mean, I I I am the perfect example of that guy who's got somebody on one shoulder going, you know, <laughs> and the other guy on the other shoulder going, you know, and, and I, I sadly play in that, that space. And that's what, you know, on some level, you know, uh, when talking to other leaders, you know, there's, there's a lot of that required in, in, in sort of the management and leadership skills. I think it's interesting, you know, uh, Jim and myself have a, have a friend, Alan Schaefer, who's actually going to be a guest, um, coming up soon on, on thoughts that rock. And Alan is the founder of, um, banding people together. And, and I've been working with Alan uh, for many, many, many years. And I affectionately call him my dream killer. Um, (laughs) and, and, and that's because he is Mr. Excel. (laughs) And when I come with the flashy idea in a PowerPoint presentation to convince him how incredible it is, he, would he used to immediately jump into execution mode and start poking holes and asking questions as to how that's going to happen and how is that going to happen and that's not going to work and that's not going to work and we had to basically come up with a safe word between the two of us um <laughs> so that i didn't want to strangle him uh for shooting down my I, I i would tell him all the time like alan think of think of my ideas as a clay pigeon that i'm throwing in the air please let it get out of my hand before you take a shot at it uh because yeah. the creative in me wanted him to appreciate the idea for what it was before we moved into execution mode what has the balance been for you how long do you let the idea go before you jump into excel well i i, I guess you know I, I i hear you i mean i i when i um opened the knitting factory in 87 i was 23 and and you know i i didn't have a board i didn't have a lot of restraint and you know you do need your counterbalance you know mr practicality um you know my dad served as that um uh sort of sounding board a bit he certainly was very mr practical you know a conservative business guy from wisconsin who thought i was absolutely out of my head you know paying <laughs> the rent i was in new york city and why would i have dropped out of law school to start a avant-garde music club i mean again I, I was pushing against total practicality um and then i found people over time you know that worked for me that were you know very practical um and 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 play that role but to answer your question today now you know i don't want to have an idea shot down you know i i want to be able to um convince people that it is is practical to begin with so yeah i i again that's why i'm thinking through the ideas in excel you know to make sure it i sort of self-vetted it um before then uh presenting it to to the team to get behind um and uh so you know it, it to me it it's it's just a um, a useful way to think about numbers and scale and the ideas. You know the beauty of you know a, a spreadsheet. The most basic components is you you can play with it. You can I mean I think that some of the most creative people 
can use a spreadsheet as their canvas and and do all kinds of fun things, conjecturing of how many people might come and how much they might spend on this or that. I mean, it's it's a huge sandbox uh, with with unlimited formulas. So, um, you know, I think you can be very creative in Excel. Um, and, and, and paint your picture. Well, and I think uh, you had, you were talking about thinking in those terms before you take it to the team, but I think what you're also saying is the reverse is true. Like before people need to bring their ideas for, let's say, an event or whether it's a concert or, or some yeah. program, whatever it is, if they thought in terms of that, particularly because of a large, big box venue like yours, when I think about the Knitting Factory or City Winery now or even at Hard Rock, I can tell you that there was not a single event that was ever executed ever without there being some sort of a marketing plan in place. And it could be mm-hmm. a one sheet marketing plan, but somebody had to think through that stuff. Brand going back, it isn't the Allens, you know, who are going to go and execute it right away. That that will eventually happen. But somebody's got to do the rigor that says, here's what it's going to cost. Here's the value for us. Here's why we should do it if we're going to displace business. You know, all those things come into play. So I think if I understand you correctly, Michael, even if people were, let's say, bringing an idea to you, you hope that they've already thought through this in Excel. We'll get to the PowerPoint ultimately down the road, right? Right. I mean, I, look at I. What can, I think a lot. This is this is pretty much the way people dissect a business plan when they're, you know, if you're a VC or or private equity or frankly even, you know, a manager where someone's presenting something, I flip through it all the way to the back few pages and look at the P&L. And I don't think I've ever seen an investor not do that. They don't give yeah. a shit, par- pardon my French, of, of, you know, the really colorful shots of, you know, whoever doing whatever in the beginning. They are looking at the back, wanting to understand, you know, are these numbers real? Yeah. Then if, if that starts to make sense, then you go back to page one and start, you know, looking at how are they convincing you that they can actually do it and then execute on the plan. So I, I think that same mindset, you know, can be and needs to be part of, you know, almost daily activities. You just break it down into the smallest little things. And, 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 and again, I am not the nerd who, you know, that's that's all I'm doing is um, no, I don't think I want to serve that type of bubbly water because look at the penny that we will not make in three years when you know like that. But you know, I I, I just think when you are approaching something new, you can break it down um, uh, quantitatively. Totally, totally. I I agree. Yeah, I I think for me, it's got to be. So there are going to be certain people who are wired that way to do that, right? And, and for, for others, they're completely not. And the idea of thinking through the logistics of, of a plan is makes them want to run full speed through a brick wall. I mean, it's just <laughs> now, yeah, yeah. That's, now look at with, yeah. with all this said, I mean, I'm sitting here going, all right, I'm, I'm also I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of hypocritical. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of the biggest uh, construction project I've ever done. Um, I kind of, I'm feeling like this is my Isaac Tigret moment of spending. <laughs> there, you yeah, there you go. A little reference for you. Yeah. And, and uh, like, um, we're so over budget in our um, con- new construction 
you know, at, at pier 57 in Hudson river park, like we're, it, it doesn't make sense. Like it, it, on the spreadsheet, I've thrown away the spreadsheet. So <laughs> here, 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 here we are. Like I'm giving you all this like, you know, supposed wisdom and, and I'm so full of it because, you know, I've, <laughs> taken that spreadsheet that I made two years ago and I've completely ripped it up several times. And then, you know, of course I have to go back to both banks and my investors and remake a presentation with a a spreadsheet showing I'm going to sell even more beverages because I'm doing (laughs) even more in this place. And I'm going to, it makes sense in my ROI in terms of time. Maybe it's extended a little bit, but that's okay because you know, the brand value of having the greatest music venue in New York is okay because it's going to have these permutations of turning people on to our, our concept in the United States and all over the world. And it's going to solve the coronavirus. And so it's worth, <laughs> it's, it's worth it like to, to, to put in another million or two into, you know, the contractor's hands. So typical um, entrepreneur. And- Come on, <laughs> you know. So at some point, right? You sometimes you got it. You you go. You take the spreadsheet and you you got to bury it um, and 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 really come up with um, you know a deeper rationale. Not everything is always perfectly um, uh, clear, um, but uh, I think overall you have to prove yourself that that, and then occasionally you go with a little more instinct. Hey, when you're the guy who starts the joint, when you're when you're running the place, you're allowed to do that, right? It's, it's sort of a little. I'm, I'm going to try and, and stick my neck out here. In general, though, I think that yeah. that thought is fantastic, and I think if more people thought through that first instead of jumping off the ledge, um, you know, you'd you'd probably be able to execute it a whole lot easier. I, I think maybe thinking about it in a in a different um, mindset as well. I know, Brent, you came up with a great thought that that might be a little bit controversial but i think it's it's awesome from looking at michael's thought in a different perspective what is our thought that rocks this week thoughts that rock number two our thought that rocks this week is brought to you by robert frost and for me this is where i find myself um, often. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about this. <laughs> Here's so this a- is really about an intervention for you. <laughs> no, not an intervention. Saying. It's my way of telling someone to shut the fuck up. Oh. So, all right. So here, here's, here, here's our thought for the, uh, for, for the episode. Uh, Robert Frost says this half the world is composed of people who have something to say and can't and the other half who have nothing to say and keep on saying it. Um, now, in, in the world of fake news that we live in these days, yep. <laughs> uh, this is permeated more than I would care to uh, acknowledge. But o- honestly, I, you know, there's so many levels to this thought that I think um, sure. work in conjunction with the idea of what you're talking about, which is, hey, think through something first before you just give me the idea. Is it even a valuable uh, is it a valuable resource of my time to devote to this if it is nothing is possible with what you're doing? Because you, you're thinking so crazily that there is no chance that this is actually going to happen. But on the other side, we give people our time and and sometimes they we shouldn't. <laughs> 
it should just be this thing where they really have nothing to say, but they're passionate about it. And because they're passionate about it, they think they can just go on and on and on and on. But in reality, it's actually hurting the business because you can't get to the plan if you're constantly placating the other side. I, that's what I got out of this thought anyways, which is you got to balance the passion uh, with reality. So I, 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 I read that several times and um, after you sent it to me and, and of course it's hard to not think about our politics these days, right? Sure, I yeah. mean, a, it, it seems to demonstrate the, the great divide of our country, which is sad, but in looking at it from the business standpoint, and I, I, I guess I did interpret it and this isn't, I, I hate to sound a bit like, you know, Vince Lombardi. Cause I, I that's, I, and I don't, use sports metaphors because I'm, I'm not really a, um, a a big sports guy but um, you know the idea of people who constantly are spewing that they're trying they're trying their hardest they love the thing they you know and they, they they talk a good game but they actually don't execute they don't actually get it done like the, the, you know it's it's like if you come to the office and and all you do is move sand around, you know, and you're super busy and you're telling everyone how hard you're working and you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, but you ain't getting anything done. Well, that's not very useful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, versus that person who's just, you know, they put their head down, they work really, really hard. They don't boast about it. They don't talk about it. And they actually, boom, they get it done. They actually go beyond what the expectation is and, and, and they, they're all about execution and, and, and there definitely is both of those people in, in, in many offices um, and in, in all over this world. Um, and uh, obviously in politics, it can go to the extreme where it's beyond just saying you're trying. It's where you're, you're com- completely believing in, in things that aren't real. Um, and then, and then thinking they're real. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think yeah. it's, I think what's interesting is I, I would say that throughout the course of history, we have seen that the people with the loudest voice at times are the people that are the, the, the passionate sales people, right? <laughs> and they're selling the concept, they're selling the idea, whatever it might be. And the ones who have something to say, but can't are usually the ones who have the logistics figured out, <laughs> but their, their voice is buried underneath mm-hmm. the person at the top going, no, but this is the next great thing. No, this is what needs to happen. But the, the people who have, who have actually worked it out in Excel and said, do you know that what you're, what you're actually suggesting is feasibly not possible? Uh, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Um, they get overshadowed by the person screaming at the mountaintops going, look at the next greatest mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's why it's so important. We have to have those people in our lives as much as I would get frustrated with Alan for shooting down uh, an idea. It made me think through the actual idea itself and go, Oh, you know what? You're, you're right. Um, there's, there's a bunch of holes in this that have to be plugged before we put the boat in the water. Um, but, but the idea is, I think it's so important. That's why, that's why good collaboration is, is needed, right? Because we have to have those right brain people who come with the crazy ideas, but that left brain comes in and says, yeah, and, 
have we thought through this? Yes, mm-hmm. and have you thought through that? And that's honestly, you know, I laugh, but if you could if you could see us um, in what we do here, Michael, you would know that Jim comes to the table with, uh, you know, notes, notes that I prepared in, in, in Excel, three pages worth of things, and I show up with you know my thumb up my ass and go, <laughs> what do we got? Um, and that's that is literally, uh, uh, but it works. It works together because of we, we know what each other brings to the table, and and honestly, we expect each other to bring it to the table, and that's the difference. So, you know, collaborations are, are special, um, uh, in particular partnerships that that's very hard or a partnership between, you know, a leader and a team. Um, also, you know, uh, you know, sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, um, but both require, I think, listening, um, you're going to have the, the, the parties that are louder and either they're, they're, they're right. Or there could be mostly full of shit. And then, you know, how do you both listen, whether it's to one or to a group of people or to individuals within a group. Um, and, and, and then I think beyond listening, I think there's, you know, very much a critical skill of just observing, um, and, and paying attention to, um, you know, that person who, you know, is doodling, um, has a great idea, but is shy and unwilling to, to try and raise their hand louder than, you know, the person who's always been, you know, coming up with good ideas and saying stuff. And so, I mean, the, the group dynamic is a, is a more complicated partnership, but that, 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 that interplay is, is, um, key. And again, sometimes it works, um, well, and sometimes it works bad. And I know at certain times for me, I've not been so great at it. Um, and then other times I really try and uh, readjust, you know, how I'm looking at everybody and, and my role in that game. And, and uh, when it's readjusted correctly, um, th- that's when we function the best. Well, and you said something just a moment ago about listening, which, you know, we could all use a little bit more of that in the world. And I think about all the ways that you communicate. We've all had probably a, a ton of training on writing. We've had a ton of training or some training everybody has on speaking. They've had to do some sort of speech classes, but there are no classes for listening. You have to actively go out and mine for these types of things to occur. And, you know, maybe that's why there's a, a little bit of a, a deficiency, I think, in that skill. But, you know, I, I don't know where what, what the context was of Robert Frost saying, you know, this quote. I actually looked at the first part of the quote more than the second part that I was thinking, you know, in an era probably before technology, you know, this probably was more prevalent that you had a lot of people who had something to say but couldn't. But now it's much easier. You know, they've got different platforms to have a voice, especially, you know, if it's meaningful and impactful and they can jump on social media, which then probably leads to the second part, which is bad, right? But but I think about this because it's probably my number one questions when I go out to speak. I've got people saying, listen, I'm a middle manager with no real power, no real impact and influence. What difference does it make when you're talking about leadership or culture or or whatever? I go, listen, you got to keep producing great work. You still got to have a few W's under your belt, you know, in your current responsibilities, but eventually invite yourself to the party, self-educate, read, listen to podcasts, go to courses, get a mentor, 
whatever it is. So if you do have something to say, there's no excuse for you not to be able to have a venue of some sort to go out and let people know. I do see, I see the value brand, like what you're talking about on this second part. But I think if the world were to maybe, again, think in those Excel terms and think through before they just start espousing whatever, you know, mm-hmm. venom is going to come out of their mouth, yeah. we'd be in a much healthier place, right? Agreed. I Absolutely. Mean, mm-hmm. I think that the whole, you know, the whole back half of that, of that frost, quote is is i would refer to them as the butt hillary's you know they are the uh, the they um, they don't think through something they just say yeah mm-hmm. but and then it's whatever comes next and they're they're not actually adding any value to the conversation they're pointing to to something that is their belief of right or wrong or whatever yeah. that might be and and if we just would allow the people who really have um th- a, a thoughtful response to speak yeah, <laughs> that would be an amazing thing in this world today. Agreed. hundred percent. Hey, Michael, where can uh, people stay in touch with you if they want to do that either personally or, or do you just want them to sort of stay connected through city winery? At least we can point them in the right direction to get a idea you know, of what you guys I, are doing. I'm, I'm pretty much an open book, you know? So if someone wants to reach me, I'm Michael at citywinery.com. Awesome. I mean, boom. Just send me a note. Love if it. Um, you know, you want to see what we're doing, you know, uh, obviously citywinery.com. There's a bunch of city winery Twitter sites and, and, uh, and I have my own Michael Dorf Twitter thing. You know, I've been trying to um, uh, push thoughts out there yeah. and, and, and things. I mean, I am, um, you know, not, not Mr. Knight or Mr. Vanderchuk, but I am, uh, uh, um, you know, a Mr. 4,700 followers, uh, you know, far, far from anything big. And then, um, you know, so, you know, all the usual places, but I'm, I'm pretty accessible. I might not get back to you quickly or, you know, um, but that's the beauty of, you know, the digital written mediums are, you know, you can, you can time shift and, and, um, you know, uh, hopefully refocus, you know, getting back to people and writing, you know, responses and, and notes. But uh, I, I really love meeting people. You know, one of the, the best parts of, of coming out with a book, you know, for the few people who bought it was um, we did a campaign where if you bought 10 books, I would have lunch with you. Um, and, uh, I had 48 people take me up on that. Um, wow. And, you know, sold 480 books, which is pretty much about uh, uh, 10 times what my publisher did. I hope they don't listen to this. Um, but, uh, you know, and then I did, I did um, uh, these, these hard hat tours of our construction site. Saw that. Um, and, and if you, you know, you bought a book and sent me the Amazon receipt, you joined a group. I sold about 500 that way. So, you know, like I, I, but the lunches were in particular, you know, people are like, what are you crazy? Like, why do you want to? And I got to say, you know, for the most part out of 48 lunches, like 46 were really enjoyable. I don't remember the two that weren't and there weren't two that weren't. It just, it was that high a proportion of, of like, it didn't feel like a waste of time. It felt like I was you know, listening and talking to people and, and hearing their either perspectives on city winery or, 
you know, um, you know, a couple, yes, the two that maybe were bad where they were either trying to sell me insurance or get a gig, oh, right? No. But, <laughs> which, but even that, like, I respected greatly. I was like, that's really cool. You spent, you know, $240 less the cost of the lunch than I'm buying you. So it was a net of $200 um, to get, you know, an hour with me, you know, to get a gig. Like, that's creative and yeah, smart. Extremely. And so, like, God, you know, good for you. So it wasn't, and, you know, and then when you look at it that way, it's like, you don't, then you don't get your reaction isn't like, oh, this person scammed me. It's like, no, the person smartly took up on a, on a, on an offer. Yeah. Um, I, I would do the same. Awesome. Yeah. That book cover is beautiful. It is really, really well done. What, what's the name of the book? We can send people to that, uh, that site as well. Sure. It's, it's called indulge your senses, indulge your senses. And indulge your senses is a mantra that we came up with, you know, at one of our company offsites, maybe five years before the one that you came to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was an idea of distilling in three words, you know, our think different, just do it kind of stuff. And it really does um, uh, kind of summarize what we're trying to do for our customers and frankly, what we're trying to do internally for our staff in terms of pushing, um, you know, the, 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 the sensory component of our, of our world and our lives. And so, um, you know, we're doing that through music and smell and, you know, the taste and, you know, all the components that go into a, a very sensory, you know, experience like being in a winery, listening to music, um, eating gray food. So, um, you know, yes, there's a kind of a odd sexual little thing, but that, you know, that's just for some minds that go the wrong direction. Like, but it really is, um, you know, a very, uh, you know, um, you know, core component to, to our world. And then our sub, my sub theme in the book ended up being, you know, when you're thinking in this sensory way, you know, is it almost a reaction to technology that when we're so over consumed with, our screens and phones and computers all day long, which we all are, do we need these respites and these moments of, you know, these sensory um, opportunities, whether it's, you know, going to see a concert in an intimate environment or going to a yoga studio or doing some meditation or a walk in the park or dinner with friends, like these moments where you put the phone away and you connect with people are the most precious, valuable things we can be doing. And, and so on some level, what we're doing, what you know, hard rock is always done is these are, it's kind of an, almost an antidote for a, a, a world that's overly consumed with technology. So that ended up being the theme of the book. So, yeah, no, um, it's great. And, you know, I remember when I was with you in new Orleans, we got to see, uh, a, you know, a small jazz intimate concert. And again, it was, it was one of those times where nobody had their phone out. There wasn't any technology. I'm not even sure if we were allowed to have it in there. And it was it was better to just enjoy the entire experience itself. Um, but man, we we love we love what you're doing, and uh, we well, just you. can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. And uh, we're we're fans of City Winery, and we're gonna keep uh, we're gonna push it out there for you as much as possible. I appreciate that very much. Thanks for having me. You got it, buddy. Listen, we'll talk to you soon. Rock on. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey, rock stars, thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, 
We both used to be exclusively represented by Kepler speakers, but now it's just me. Brandt is on his own. So to hire Brandt, good luck getting a hold of him. For me or both of us, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock on!